أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله على محمد وآله الطاهرين اللهم صل على السلام عليكم my dear brothers and sisters ورحمه وبركاته and I'd like to welcome you to another episode of the life of Prophet Muhammad in our last episode we spoke about the prophets preparations for the Hijrah, the the elders of Quraysh had gotten together and they decided that they were going to assassinate the Prophet. They were gonna they were planning on selecting one assassin from, from the various clans so they could all participate in the killing of the Prophet. And by doing so it would be impossible for the Bani Hashim to retaliate against all of the various uh, tribes uh, involved. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Surah Al-Anfal, verse 30, He makes mention of the plot to assassinate the Prophet. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَإِذْ يَمْكُرُ بِكَ الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا لِيُثْبِتُوكَ أَوْ يَقْتُلُوكَ أو يخرجون ويمكر أو يخرجوك ويمكرون ويمكر الله والله خير الماكرين. And remember, O Muhammad, when those who disbelieved plotted against you to restrain you, you know, one of the ideas that was mentioned in that gathering was that they wanted to arrest the Prophet, to place him under house arrest, imprison him, or kill you, or evict you from Mecca. But they plan and Allah plans and Allah is the best of planners. The plan of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, at least part of the plan, and the Prophet was of course being directed by revelation, was to have Ali ibn Abi Talib alayhi salam sleep in his bed, act as a decoy. And the selection of Ali ibn Abi Talib to take on this role was actually inspired by revelation. When Amir al-Mu'mineen is summoned by the Prophet, as we mentioned, when the Prophet informed him that Quraysh is planning to assassinate me and I want you to sleep in my bed, I want you to act as a decoy so I can flee and I can escape from Mecca, the first question that Ali ibn Abi Talib asks the Prophet is, Will you be safe, Ya Rasulullah, if I sleep in your bed? And when the Prophet answers in the affirmative, the narrations say that Ali ibn Abi Talib, he smiled, he was so overjoyed that he goes down into prostration and he thanks Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for giving him the opportunity to put himself in harm's way in order to save the Messenger of God. Now, Imam Ali ibn Abi Talib was left behind in Mecca for a number of reasons, mainly two reasons. Imam Ali ibn Abi Talib's main tasks were to return all of the trust that had been deposited with the Prophet. 
This is number one. Now, what are these trusts? As you know, brothers and sisters, the Prophet ﷺ was recognized by all people. He was recognized for his trustworthiness and his truthfulness. Even his enemies, they trusted him. The same people who are plotting to assassinate him were the same ones who gave him the honorific title of As-Sadiqul Amin. And what's interesting is that even though the chiefs of Quraysh, even though the clan leaders are planning on killing the Prophet, they know that the Prophet is not going to hold their trusts as leverage against them. And this is one of the most amazing qualities of the Prophet. Rasulullah doesn't say to them that, by the way, I have your gold, I have your money. If you attack me, you're never going to see your money again. The Prophet doesn't use the amanat which are with him, which are in his possession, as leverage against the Quraysh. The Prophet one of the reasons why he leaves Ali ibn Abi Talib behind in Mecca is though it's so it's so that he can return the amanat to its owners and these were trusts that were deposited to him with him by kuffar by mushrikeen by polytheists nonetheless the prophet sallallahu he commands amir al-mu'minin to remain behind to return all of the trusts this is number 1 Secondly, the Prophet leaves Imam Ali ibn Abi Talib behind so he can escort the fawatim, so he can escort the, the, the women who are related to him from Mecca to Medina. Of course, these women are Fatima was Zahra, the daughter of the Prophet, who would later become his wife, his own mother, and Fatima bint Az Zubair, and any other Hashimi that had been left behind, including Um Ayman. So Amir, there were still some women who were not able, who had not yet departed Mecca, the Prophet for their safety and for their security left Imam Ali ibn Abi Talib so he can safely take them on the emigration to Medina. The Quraysh, the narrations say that when their assassination attempt failed, they offered a bounty. They put a bounty on the Prophet. And the bounty was they were offering a hundred camels to anyone who brings Muhammad back to Mecca. Perhaps, you know, they wanted someone to capture him so they could kill him uh, themselves. So a bounty, a reward of 100 camels to bring the Prophet back to Mecca because they wanted to finish the job. They wanted to assassinate him. They wanted to kill him. Now, just to put this in perspective, brothers and sisters, a camel, think of a camel as a luxurious vehicle. So offering a hundred camels, you know, if you think, 
you know, if a luxury car costs about $100,000 in today's currency, um, you're talking about upwards of, you know, $10 million where this, this is the type of bounty that was put on the prophet, an exorbitant amount of wealth, a hundred camels given to anyone who brings the prophet back to Mecca. Now, when we speak about the, the hijrah of the prophet, one of the details that is often mentioned, and unfortunately it, it ends up eclipsing the sacrifice of Ali ibn Abi Talib, and that is the hijrah of the prophet with Abu Bakr. You know, oftentimes when we speak, when, when you read, especially in, uh, according to the Sunni narrative, the companionship of Abu Bakr with the Prophet receives the most attention. And this is considered to be one of the greatest merits of Abu Bakr. According to the Sunni uh, narrative, one of the greatest virtues and merits of Abu Bakr is that he, he accompanied the Prophet on the Hijrah. Now, why was Abu Bakr with the Prophet? Why is it that he was, it was only him and Ali ibn Abi Talib who remained behind? Why, was, why did the Prophet take him on the Hijrah? This is actually one of the most mysterious parts of the seerah. And the reason why the presence of Abu Bakr in Mecca is a mystery, especially at first glance, is because all of the other companions had departed. And I'll share with you some traditions that really make you question the, the motive behind why Abu Bakr stayed behind in Mecca. Now, some scholars believe that the reason why he joined the Prophet, where he, why he was able to find the Prophet as he was escaping from Mecca is that he went to the house of the Prophet, according to some reports, and he found Ali ibn Abi Talib there. And he asks Imam Ali ibn Abi Talib, where is the Prophet? And the Imam gives him a vague answer. He says that he's near the wells of Maymunah. He gives him a vague answer. Abu Bakr goes and he ends up finding the Prophet uh, near that location. Other scholars believe that Abu Bakr and the Prophet, they ran into each other coincidentally. Meaning Abu Bakr coincidentally ran into the Prophet. And the Prophet saw him and he said, come with me, don't stay in, in Mecca. Now, before we get into uh, the narrations, Ibn Ishaq, who is considered to be the most authoritative uh, scholar on the biography of the Prophet, he says, قَالَ ابْنُ إِسْحَاقِ وَلَمْ يُعْلَمْ فِيمَا بَلَغْنِي حِينَ خَرَجْ 
ولم يعلم فيما بلغني بخروج رسول الله صلى الله عليه وآله وسلم أحد حين خرج إلا علي بن أبي طالب وأبو بكر وآل أبي بكر ابن إسحاق he says that based on what I have what I based on the information that I received from the second generation Muslims from the children of Sahaba is that no one remained in Mecca before the Prophet left, meaning after all of the companions departed and they went on the Hijrah to Medina, the only ones who remained with the Prophet in Mecca was Ali ibn Abi Talib and Abu Bakr and the family of Abu Bakr. أَمَّا عَلِيٌّ فَإِنَّ رَسُولَ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَآلِهِ فِيمَا بَلَغَنِي أَخْبَرَهُ بِخُرُوجِهِ as for Ali, the Prophet informed him. He informed him that he was going to leave Mecca, he was going to escape, and he commanded him to remain behind so that he could return the trusts that the people had deposited with the Prophet. So here Ibn Ishaq, and, I, and this, this narration will help us understand a very mysterious interaction with Quraysh, prior to the departure of the Prophet. So here, we understand from Ibn Ishaq that only Ali ibn Abi Talib and Abu Bakr and the family of Abu Bakr, they remained in Mecca. Now, so therefore, Ali ibn Abi Talib and Abu Bakr are presumably the only ones who know that the Prophet is leaving, that he's going to depart Mecca. Ibn Ishaq, he mentions that there was an unknown person who meets Quraysh. And I'll read the narration very carefully so we can grasp the gravity of this encounter. Ibn Ishaq, he says, فَأَتَاهُمْ آتٍ مِمَّنْ لَمْ يَكُمْ معهم. So the... Ibn Ishaq basically is talking about how the assassins, they surrounded the house of the Prophet. So they surround the house of the Prophet at night and they're preparing to strike him in the early morning. Someone came to them. He came to the assassins, to the Quraysh, who was not one of them. So this individual, his name is not mentioned. This person comes to the assassins and he says to them, "Ma tantaziruna What are you waiting for? They said, Muhammad. Now I want you to pay attention. It seems from this narration that the assassins are very comfortable with this individual. They don't say, you're a Muslim, who are you? They share information. So they tell this individual, and I want the listeners to you know, put the pieces of the puzzle together. They say that we're waiting for Muhammad. He said, this individual, this mysterious figure, he said, 
خيبكم الله قد والله خرج عليكم محمد He said to them by God he has escaped ثم ما ترك منكم رجلا إلا وقد وضع على رأسه ترابا وانطلق لحاجته أفما ترون ما بكم He says أفما ترون ما بكم He said to them that and he has not left a single one of you without having dirt on your head. Do you not see what is the matter with you? So this mysterious individual is rebuking the Quraysh that how could you miss him? Now, the reason why they have dirt on their heads is because when the Prophet ﷺ was leaving, he, le- he left his home right in front of them, but he recited that ayah from Surah Yasin. You know, وَجَعَلْنَا مِن بَيْنِ أَيْدِيهِمْ سَدًّا وَمِنْ خَلْفِهِمْ سَدًّا فَأَخْشَيْنَاهُمْ فَهُمْ لَا يُبْصُرُونَ And he threw dust in their faces and it blinded them. Through some miracle, they were not able to see the Prophet. This person who is not from the companions... He's rebuking them for missing the opportunity to capture the Prophet. Now, he tells them that the Prophet has left. The only person who could have known that Rasulullah had left was Ali ibn Abi Talib and Abu Bakr. Who else could have known? The narration continues that when this individual tells the assassins that what's the matter with you? He escaped. Look look at the dirt that is on your heads. The assassins, they put their head, their hands on their heads. They all put their hands on their heads. And they saw they found that indeed there is dirt on our heads. ثُمَّ جَعَلُوا يَتَطَلَّعُونَ فَيَرَوْنَ عَلِيًا عَلَى الْفِرَاشِ مُتَسَجِّيًا بِبُرْدِ رَسُولِ اللَّهِ So they looked in the window through the, the opening and they saw someone covered with the cloak of the Prophet. فَيَقُولُونَ وَاللَّهِ إِنَّ هَذَا لَمُحَمَّدٌ نَائِمًا They say this person that, what are you saying? Muhammad is in bed. We see his cloak. There's someone in the bed. فَلَمْ يَبْرَحُوا كَذَلِكَ حَتَّى أَصْبَحُوا فَقَامَ عَلِيٌّ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنَّ According to what Ibn Ishaq says, عَنِ الْفِرَاشِ And then they discover that Ali ibn Abi Talib is in uh, the bed. And of course, they try to interrogate Ali ibn Abi Talib. Now you may ask, why didn't they kill Ali ibn Abi Talib? They wanted information out of him. And they knew that they weren't, weren't going to get any information from him because this is a man who was willing to to die for the Prophet. And some narrations say that Imam Ali ibn Abi Talib grabbed the hand of Khalid ibn al-Walid and he was able to overpower him. So they tried to torture him, interrogate him. They couldn't get any information from Ali ibn Abi Talib and eventually they, they let him go because their main target was the Prophet. So you see that 
there was an, a very suspicious encounter between an unnamed individual and the Quraysh. So the Prophet, he escapes. Now, Medina is north of Mecca. Now the Prophet ﷺ, rather than taking the usual northern route to Medina, the Prophet travels five miles south of Mecca to a cave known as, to a cave in Mount Thawr. And some call the actual cave uh, Ghar Thawr. There are some mountains that are about five miles south of Mecca. The Prophet goes there. Some scholars, some narrations mention that this is where the Prophet sees Abu Bakr. So they run, they run into each other accidentally. And the Prophet, when he sees Abu Bakr, the Shi'i understanding is that he takes Abu Bakr with him because he saw that it would be a liability to leave him behind in Mecca. Because if, if he's apprehended, if he's tortured, the Prophet did not feel comfortable leaving him uh, behind in Mecca. Now, so he takes him and they go into a cave. And narrations say that they spend three days in that cave. And this is where Imam Ali ibn Abi Talib is delivering food uh, to them. Now, one of the search parties, now Quraysh, so they start to send search parties around Mecca, especially on the trade routes going north. One of the search parties ascends Mount Thawr. They decide to go south. They actually hire a footprint expert. And this footprint expert examines the footprints. They see the footprints of the Prophet. And then there are another set of footprints that, that appear. So the footprint expert tells the search parties that there is someone else with the Prophet. Because uh, he runs into someone. And this is where he runs into Abu Bakr. Now they reach the cave of Thawr. This mountainous region which is five miles south of Mecca and they reach the actual cave they follow the footprints until they reach the mouth of the cave now the search parties when they reach the mouth of the cave they see three things that prevents them from even bothering to go inside of the cave they see a branch that's covering the opening of the cave. Furthermore, they see a freshly spun spider web over the mouth of the cave. And they find a wild dove perched overhead. And from this, they can see that this, the opening of the cave, has an undisturbed appearance. So, the footprint experts, the search parties, they say, listen, we know that he he came here, but he definitely did not go inside of the cave because of the spider web. This is, uh, this is a freshly spun spider web. 
there is a dove, a nesting dove. It's impossible. So either the earth swallowed him or he ascended into the heavens. So their presence goes unnoticed. Now, there's a narration in, in Bukhari which gives us a sense into how close the search party was to the Prophet Now this narration is from Abu Bakr and he says, I said to the Prophet when he was in the cave, Abu Bakr is with the Prophet in the cave and you can imagine that they're inside of the cave and they can hear the voices of the 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 search party so abu bakr tells the prophet if one of them looks at his feet he will see us beneath his feet and then the narration says oh abu the prophet says to him oh abu bakr what do you think of two of whom allah is the third now this is where we come to the verse of the cave and this verse What's amazing about this ayah of the Qur'an is that in the Sunni tradition, this verse is a testament to the greatness of Abu Bakr. According to the Shi'i tradition, this verse is the most damning indictment of Abu Bakr. Now let's, let's analyze this verse because this ayah is specifically about the incident of the cave. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He says, إِلَّا تَنْصُرُوهُ فَقَدْ نَصَرَهُ اللَّهُ إِذْ أَخْرَجَهُ الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا ثَانِيَ اثْنَيْنِ إِذْ هُمَا فِي الْغَارِ إِذْ يَقُولُ لِصَاحِبِهِ لَا تَحْزَنْ إِنَّ اللَّهَ مَعَنَا فَأَنْزَلَ اللَّهُ سَكِينَتَهُ عَلَيْهُ وَأَيَّدَهُ بِجُنُودٍ لَمْ تَرَوْهَا This part of the ayah is uh, relevant to our discussion. This is Surah Tawbah, verse 40. Now, now you may ask, why is this verse not a virtue or a merit for Abu Bakr? So the English translation here is, if you will not help him, Allah is addressing the disbelievers, if you will not support him in his mission, God certainly aided him. When those who disbelieved expelled him, he, the prophet, being the second of the two, when they were both in the cave, when he said, when the Prophet said to his companion, Grieve not, surely God is with us. So God sent down his tranquility upon him and strengthened him with armies or with hosts which you do not see. So, how is this ayah not a virtue for or a merit for Abu Bakr? We take the first expression in the ayah that's related to, to Abu Bakr and that is the expression of Thani Ithnain Idhuma Filgar. Some argue that you know he was with the Prophet in the cave. He was with the Prophet in the cave. The Quran says mentions the two who were in the cave. Now this expression of Thani Ithnain that the Prophet being the second of the two now why is the Prophet the second of the two? It could be because Abu Bakr went into the cave first. 
And then the Prophet went in after him. So he was the second of the two. In any case, the Qur'an mentioning that there were two is not a merit for Abu Bakr. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is simply mentioning how many people were in the cave. So this is only a reference to the number of people in the cave. Being physically present with the Prophet in a place is not a sign of distinction. There are many ayat in the Qur'an where Allah speaks of the hypocrites surrounding the Prophet, being around the Prophet. So being physically with the Prophet is not a distinction. It's not a merit. Number two, one one could say that, but the verse says, it acknowledges the companionship of Abu Bakr. That God is referring to Abu Bakr as the sahib of the Prophet. When he, the Prophet, said to his companion, the Qur'an calls Abu Bakr the sahib of the Prophet, the companion of the Prophet. Now the answer here again is that being called a sahib is not a fadila. It's not a merit. Because if you look at the Qur'anic usage of the word sahib, you will see that it is a general term that can apply to both believers and even disbelievers. For example, if we go to Surah Yusuf, what does Allah say? On the tongue of Prophet Yusuf. When Yusuf was in prison, his fellow inmates, two of them who were in the prison cell with him, they were kuffar. They were mushrikeen. Yusuf calls them his companions. Ya sahibayasijn. Yusuf says, Oh, my two companions of prison. Are separate lords better? Are multiple lords better? Or one God? The one, the prevailing. So here, Yusuf refers to two non-believing individuals who are with him in his prison cell. He calls them my companions. In Surah Al-Kahf, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions the story of the of two, two men who have gardens. قَالَ لَهُ صَاحِبُ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that the sahib, the companion of the believer, who is a disbeliever, قَالَ لَهُ صَاحِبُهُ وَهُوَ يُحَاوِرُ أَكَفَرْتَ بِالَّذِي خَلَقَكَ مِنْ تُرَابٍ ثُمَّ مِنْ نُطْفَةٍ ثُمَّ سَوَاكَ رَجُلًا His companion said to him, so the companion of the disbeliever, the believing companion says to his disbelieving companion while he was conversing with him, have you disbelieved in he who created you from dust and then from a sperm drop and then proportioned you as a man? In fact, 
In another verse in the Quran, we find that the word sahib can even be used for a non-human. Even an animal is called a sahib. Allah says to the Prophet, فَاصْبِرْ لِحُكْمِ Rabbik. Be patient with the decree from your Lord. وَلَا تَكُنْ كَصَاحِبِ الْحُوتِ إِذْ نَادَى وَهُوَ مَكْظُومٌ Be patient with the decree of your Lord, O Muhammad, and be not like the companion of the fish. Who's the companion of the fish? When he called out while he was distressed. Who's the companion of the fish? Yunus. Yunus alayhi salam. Allah calls the whale the companion of Yunus. And Yunus is the companion of the, the whale. So you see that if we want to go according to Quranic usage, the word sahib does not denote merit or distinction. Another interesting part in the verse is, now you can imagine that the Prophet and Abu Bakr, they're in this cave. The Quraysh, they're at the mouth of the cave. They're literally a few feet away from them. The natural emotional state of Abu Bakr should have been what? Fear. He should have been afraid. But here it's interesting that when you look at the verse, Allah says that the Prophet said to Abu Bakr, Don't grieve. Don't be sad. That's a very strange thing. Because normally, you would expect the Prophet to say, Don't be afraid. Why did the Prophet say to Abu Bakr, La Tahzan? If, if Abu Bakr was af- afraid for the life of the Prophet, if he was afraid for his own life, the Prophet should have said, La Takhaf, don't be afraid, don't fear. But the Prophet says to Abu Bakr, La Tahzan, don't grieve, don't be sad. This could indicate that Abu Bakr was actually not afraid. Because he knew that those people are not going to kill him. Why? Because perhaps if we go back to the narrations that I mentioned earlier, perhaps there was some conversations about his safety with the Quraysh. He wasn't afraid. He was grieving over something that he lost or missed. And I'll leave the rest to the the mind of the listener. You say don't grieve when there's something that has been lost or something that has potentially been lost or missed. So la tahzan in and of itself is worthy of reflection. The Prophet doesn't say, لا تخف, Don't be afraid. He says, Don't grieve. Number four, the Prophet's statement, إِنَّ اللَّهَ مَعَنَا, that God is with us. 
They say this is a merit for Abu Bakr because Allah, because the Prophet is saying, God is with me and he's with Abu Bakr. Number one, Allah is with everybody. Wherever you go, Allah is present. Secondly, it's highly possible that the pronoun us is about the Prophet. Sometimes we use the plural. The plural can be used in reference to one person. Even when we greet each other, even if it's one person, we say, Assalamu alaikum. We use the plural pronoun. So it could be the Prophet is, you know, to highlight his esteemed position. He says, Inna Allah ma'na, God is with us, meaning himself. And number five, and this is perhaps the most damning part of the verse. And it, it contradicts the idea that this ayah is a merit for Abu Bakr. The verse clearly states, now we know according to the ayah, that there are two people in the cave. Rasulullah and Abu Bakr. But the ayah says that Allah sent down sakina. He sent down tranquility upon one person. We go back to the verse... What does Allah say? He says, فَأَنزَلَ اللَّهُ سَكِينَتَهُ عَلَيْهِ And God, so God sent down His tranquility upon Him, not upon them. فَأَنزَلَ اللَّهُ سَكِينَتَهُ عَلَيْهِ عَلَيْهِ It doesn't say عَلَيْهِمَا وَأَيَّدَهُ بِجُنُودٍ لَمْ تَرَوْهَا and he strengthened him with armies which you did not see. Not strengthened them. So the sakina and the support is only for one person. Who is that one person? It's the Prophet And the, the clue is that Allah says, And we supported him with armies that you could not see. Of course, this is a reference to the Prophet. Now, some have tried to argue that this tranquility was sent down to Abu Bakr and not the Prophet. Of course, if you read the, the verse, it's, it's, it's silly to even uh, propose that, that idea. But for the sake of argument, they say that, we'll entertain that and say that Sakina came down upon Abu Bakr. Why not the Prophet? They would say because the Prophet doesn't need Tranquility. His heart was already tranquil. The problem with this claim is that when you look at the Quran, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala always sends down sakina upon the heart of the Prophet during times of difficulty. The Prophet always receives sakina. The Quran does not say that the Prophet does not need this tranquility. For example, if you look at Surah 48 verse 26, When those who disbelieved had put in their hearts zealous ignorance of the time of ignorance, but God sent down His tranquility upon his messenger 
and upon the believers. Here it's very clear that Allah sends down Sakina upon the Prophet and the believers during those times of intense hardship, especially during times of battle, when it's a matter of life and death, Allah fortifies the heart of the Prophet and the hearts of the believers by this heavenly tranquility that descends upon their hearts. Another verse, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Surah At-Tawbah verse 26, ثُمَّ أَنزَلَ اللَّهُ سَكِينَتَهُ عَلَىٰ رَسُولِهِ وَعَلَىٰ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ وَأَنزَلَ جُنُودًا لَمْ تَرَوْهَا وَعَذَّبَ الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا وَذَٰلِكَ جَزَاءُ الْكَافِرِينَ In one of the battles of Islam, Allah says, Then God sent down His tranquility upon His Messenger and upon the believers and sent down soldiers and sent down soldier angels whom you did not see and punish those who disbelieved and that is the recompense of the disbelievers. So the Quran tells us that in times of hardship, in times of extreme difficulty, sakina, tranquility, descends to the heart of the Prophet and into the hearts of the believers. Another example, Surah 48 verse 4, وَهُوَ الَّذِي أَنزَلَ السَّكِينَةَ فِي قُلُوبِ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ لِيَزْدَادُوا إِيمَانًا مَعَ إِيمَانِهِمْ وَلِلَّهِ جُنُودُ السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ وَكَانَ اللَّهُ عَلِيمًا حَكِيمًا It is He who sent down tranquility into the hearts of the believers. The hearts of the believers receive this tranquility so that, that, so that it can strengthen their faith along with their present faith. And to God belong the soldiers of the heavens and the earth, and God is ever-knowing and wise. So, from this verse, we understand that the Prophet received Sakina, and Abu Bakr was deprived of it. Why was Abu Bakr deprived of it? Especially if he's grieving, He's in a state of distress. Why is he in a state of distress? Only Allah knows. He wasn't afraid. He was in a state of grief, of distress. Sakina does not come down to him. Sakina, tranquility, always comes down on mu'mineen. So either Allah made a mistake, God forbid, and he forgot to send down the Sakina upon Abu Bakr, or there is something wrong here that there was something in the heart of Abu Bakr that deprived him of that sakina that normally comes down upon mu'mineen. Now, there is a very lengthy uh, tradition from Imam al-Sajjad. I'm not going to go into too much detail. This is found in Al-Kafi, volume 8. Uh, the narration mentions that Sa'id ibn al-Musayyib, who's one of the, the tabi'een, he has a conversation with Imam Zainul Abidin alayhi salam, and he asks the Imam you know, a number of questions. You know, How old was Imam Ali ibn Abi Talib when he formally uh, converted to Islam? Uh, and then Imam Zainul Abidin says that you know, when was Ali ever a disbeliever for him to become Muslim? And then Imam Zain al-Abideen says that he, that Imam Amir al-Mu'mineen was 10 years old uh, when the Prophet began his prophetic mission. 
and he prayed with the Prophet many years before other Muslims, and so on and so forth, until until Imam al-Sajjad he mentions that Amir al-Mu'mineen was with the Prophet, he performed prayers with the Prophet until the Hijrah. And he prayed before the 17 rak'ah was legislated. There, were, there was a simple form of salah that he would, he would do with the Prophet. Imam Zainul Abidin salam, he says, the Prophet, Imam Zainul Abidin, he says that the Prophet emigrated to Medina and he left Ali behind to take care of issues, to take care of certain matters that only he could have dealt with. Returning the trusts to the mushrikeen, to the people, and protecting the fawatim, the Fatimas and bringing them safely to Medina. And then Imam As-Sajjad السلام, he says, وَكَانَ خُرُوجُ رَسُولِ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهُ وَآلِهِ مِنْ مَكَّةَ فِي أَوَّلِ يَوْمٍ مِنْ رَبِيعٍ الْأَوَّلِ The Prophet left. His hijrah began in the 13th year after Ba'tha on the first day of Rabi'ul Awwal. So, Muharram, according to the Ahlul Bayt, is not the beginning of the Islamic year. If we go according to the, the Hijrah, the Hijrah was, was the first of Rabi'ul Awwal. And perhaps this was later on changed because, you know, some of the enemies of Ahlul Bayt wanted the month of Muharram to be a festive occasion. The, you know, it's the new year, it's a time of uh, jubilation and festivity. Imam al-Sajjad says that the Prophet... His hijrah happened on the first of Rabi'un al-Awwal, and that was a Thursday. The narration continues. Imam al-Sajjad, again, Sa'id ibn al-Musayyib, he asks the Imam a number of questions. One of the questions was about the hijrah. He says, so Imam al-Sajjad, he explains, وَقَدِمَ الْمَدِينَةَ لِثْنَتَيْ عَشْرَةَ لَيْلًا خَلَتْ مِنْ شَهْرِ رَبِيعٍ الْأَوَّلِ مَعَ زَوَالِ الشَّمْسِ the Prophet, he arrives at the outskirts of Medina after 12 nights from the month of Rabi'ul al-Awwal. So the Prophet stays in the cave of Thawr, Ghar Thawr, for three days. And it takes him about nine days to travel from Mecca to Medina. He arrives in the, on the outskirts of Medina at the time of Dhuhr. He prays. Of course, at this time, the five daily prayers were only were two units each. So there was only ten rak'ah. Later on, the other rak'at were added. And Imam al-Sajjad salam he says, ثُمَّ لَمْ يَزَلْ مُقِيمًا يَنْتَظْرُ عَلِيًّا يُصَلِّ الْخَمْسَ صَلَوَاتٍ رَكْعَتَيْنٍ رَكْعَتَيْنٍ وَكَانَ نَازِلًا عَلَىٰ عَمْرِ بْنِ عَوْفِ فَأَقَامَ عِنْدَهُمْ بِضْعَةَ عَشَرَ يَوْمًا The Prophet remained in Quba, the outskirts of Medina, 
and he was waiting for Ali ibn Abi Talib to join him. He prayed the five prayers and he stayed. Where was the Prophet staying at this time? He stayed at the house of Amr ibn Auf for about 10 days. So imagine this. So the Prophet, he arrives, but he's not entering Medina. He's stationed and he's staying at the outskirts in Quba, near Quba for 10 days. He's not entering Medina yet. He's waiting for Imam Ali ibn Abi Talib. Now the people were saying to the Prophet that يَقُولُونَ لَهُ يَقُولُونَ لَهُ أَتُقِيمُ أَتُقِيمُ عِنْدَنَا فَنَتَّخِذَ لَكَ مَنْزِلًا وَمَسْجِدًا They say to the Prophet, people would come to the Prophet, they would say, stay with us, so we will build for you a house and a masjid. Everyone was begging the Prophet to enter Medina. Stay with us, we want to host you. The Prophet ﷺ, what was his response? And this is according to Imam al-Sajjad. فَيَقُولُ لَا إِنِّي أَنْتَظِرُوا عَلِيَ بْنَ أَبِي طَالِبْ I am waiting for Ali ibn Abi Talib. وَقَدْ أَمَرْتُهُ أَنْ يَلْحَقَنِي وَلَسْتُ مُسْتَوْطِنًا مَنْزِلًا حَتَّى يَقْدَمَ عَلِيٌّ وَمَا أَسْرَعَهُ إن شاء الله. The Prophet says, no, I'm waiting here until Ali arrives. I have ordered him to meet me and I will not settle in a house until Ali comes and he will not be long. He will arrive soon, inshaAllah. Sa'id ibn al-Musayyab, the narrator of the hadith, the one who's having this conversation with Imam al-Sajjad, he asks Imam al-Sajjad, جُعِلْتُ فِدَاك كَانَ أَبُو بَكْرٍ مَعَ رَسُولِ اللَّهِ حِينَ أَقْبَلَ إِلَى الْمَدِينَةِ فَأَيْنَ فَارَقَهُ Sa'id ibn al-Musayyab, he says, Ya ibn Rasulullah, Abu Bakr was with the Prophet when he arrived in Medina, when he arrived. So when did he separate from the Prophet? And this is, if you don't take anything from today's episode, I want you to listen to this. فَقَالَ إِنَّ أَبَا بَكْرٍ لَمَّا قَدِمَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَآلِهِ إلى قبا فنزل بهم ينتظر قدوم علي فقال له أبو بكر انهض بنا إلى المدينة فإن القوم قد فرحوا بقدومك وهم يستريثون إقبالك إليهم أبو بكر he said he was with the prophet when he proceeded to قبا and the prophet of course decided to wait for Imam Ali ibn Abi Talib Abu Bakr, when he sees that the Prophet is waiting for Imam Ali ibn Abi Talib, he said to him, Come with us to Medina, for the people would rejoice at your arrival. Abu Bakr tells the Prophet that the people would rejoice if you enter. They are eager to welcome you. So come with us, come with me. And do not stay here. وَلَا تَقُمْ هَاهُنَا don't stay here waiting for Ali. From what I can see, it may take him a month to reach Medina. So Abu Bakr is basically telling the Prophet that why are you waiting for Ali ibn Abi Let's go and let's enter Medina. There's no reason for you to wait. Ali is going to take too long. 
فقال له رسول الله صلى الله عليه وآله كلا ما أسرعه ولست أريم حتى يقدم ابن عمي وأخي في الله وأحب أهل بيتي إلي فقد وقاني بنفسه من المشركين رسول الله says to Abu Bakr never I will never enter without Ali ibn Abi Talib he will not be long. Abu Bakr said he's going to take a month to get here. The Prophet says he will not be long. And I will not move until my cousin and my brother for the sake of God and the most beloved to me of my family comes here. For he, for Ali, saved me from the polytheists by, by being in my place. Imam al-Sajjad, he says, what was the reaction of Abu Bakr? Imam al-Sajjad says, فَغَضِبَ عِنْدَ ذَلِكَ أَبُوْ بَكْرِ وَاشْمَأَزَّ وَدَاخَلَهُ مِنْ ذَلِكَ حَسَدٌ لِعَلِيِّ بْنَ أَبِي طَالِبٌ وَكَانَ ذَلِكَ أَوَّلَ عَدَاوَةٍ بَدَتْ مِنْهُ لِرَسُولِ اللَّهِ فِي عَلِيِّ وَأَوَّلَ خِلَافٍ عَلَى رَسُولِ اللَّهِ فَانْطَلَقَ حَتَّى دَخَلَ الْمَدِينَةِ وَتَخَلَّفَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ Imam al-Sajjad, he says, Abu Bakr became angry. And he was disgusted. He was furious by what the Prophet said. And envy for Ali entered into him due to that. And that was the first enmity that manifested from him towards the Messenger of God with regards to Ali. And this was the first form of opposition to the command of the Prophet. So he went. The narration said, Imam al-Sajjad said, he, Abu Bakr, he left the Prophet. He entered Medina and he left Rasulullah at Quba waiting for Ali ibn Abi Talib. This is the first sign of enmity that we see towards Ali ibn Abi Talib. And as we go through the seerah, we'll see this enmity fester and fester as... Ali ibn Abi Talib begins displaying his heroics in the battlefield. This is some of the details regarding the Hijrah of the Prophet. In our next episode, we'll speak about the arrival of Ali ibn Abi Talib uh, to Medina and the Prophet's entrance into the city of Medina and some of the uh, events that uh, took place afterward. Thank you so much, brothers and sisters, for tuning in to another episode of The Life of Prophet Muhammad. And I look forward to having you join me in the future. Wa akhra da'wana and alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Wa sallallahu ala muhammadin wa alihi al-tahirin.